0: In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash, and you are listening to Ideal Remake. Thank you for listening to Ideal Remake. We take movies that either have been, will be, or should be remade and talk about what the ideal version of that remake would be. Hello? We're making a podcast, and we're doing it on purpose! Oh well. So, Daniel, is Last Action Hero a movie that has been will be or should be remade?
1: Sam, um I think uh Last Action Hero has not yet been remade. Um a, a lots of inspiration has came from it, but uh it definitely should be remade. Cool. Uh and uh and if it did get remade, it would hopefully involve a lot of uh, a lot of uh New tech uh or uh, you know ways to to get it so it can be uh, remade right, and uh, the details on the right we can definitely talk about
0: yeah, so before we get started uh why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself so the audience knows uh who's talking
1: oh well, um my name's Daniel Rivera, I am a uh, movie um, watcher, a, a <laughs> uh, critic of, I guess, food in Los Angeles, and a uh, a dog owner, and a Instagram uh, mini-influencer.
0: <laughs> so then I guess the important follow-up question is, what kind of dog? Tell us about your dog. Where can we see pictures of the dog?
1: Yes, I would definitely consider myself a dog dad. I have one dog in particular. Her name's Indiana, And you can see pictures of her along with other dog dads on my Instagram dog dads. It's just that simple. Um, And I tend to host uh, and post uh, pictures of other people's dogs and uh, their lives. And especially now, we're spending so much time at home and our dogs don't know why, but uh, they're loving it.
0: (laughs) Heck yeah, they are. All right, cool. So then let's talk about Last Action Hero. When did you first see this movie?
1: I've I've realized that, I've, that the first time I actually really saw it was uh about a week ago because oh. I um I had such vivid uh memories from this movie and I I had no idea from when I can pinpoint those mo- those memories and and it's mainly just because this movie's main character is uh an action hero that's played by Arnold Schwarzenegger that is also um there's a lot of satire about Arnold Schwarzenegger and it evolves his life so much that you can you can really just blend Arnold Schwarzenegger with this movie. Like if if this movie was an autobiography, it would be of Arnold Schwarzenegger. So,
0: so wait, th- you hadn't seen this movie all the way through prior to recommending it?
1: Right. I've 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 oh, wow. I've had such uh like vivid memories and understanding of the movie. And I was totally in disbelief that uh, that I've seen it. I would watch it. Uh, I would probably watch parts of it because it was uh, on regular uh, cable at the time. And
0: oh, okay. So it's not that you hadn't seen it; it's that you you'd only seen it bits and pieces, like in in chunks. Yeah, this is the I first can't... time you'd sat down to watch it all the way through.
1: Exactly. I got can't it, tell you it, got a, got a got day it. where I was eleven and I just sat down and I watched the movie from A to. Uh, to be like all the way to the ending like but it's it was still as impactful to me i would think even more so than uh, because i didn't so i've always i've always had these uh super vivid memories and i would reference it and then like people would ask from where i'm referencing this from and I was like you know it's that one movie where you know the kid goes into the, the the theater and then he gets sucked into this action movie and then they would, they would be uh they'll be like oh you mean last action hero and i'm like yeah that's the one so <laughs> it was always it was always it was always lingering in my mind especially the scene where the the villain of the movie who was great
0: charles dance by, uh,
1: yes charles dance yes he was like impeccably such a good villain uh, yeah, his...
0: he's amazing.
1: And like, he, Go on.
0: Uh, so I had never seen this movie before. I actually, when you recommended it, thought it was the one where uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger plays an action figure that comes to life, which is a separate Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. So I sat down <laughs> having no idea what I was getting myself into. And when we eventually got to the scene where we were first introduced to um, Benedict, the Charles Dance character, I was like, oh my god, is that Charles Dance? Oh, this is gonna be a good movie now! Oh,
1: yes, that's exactly how I felt when I rewatched it, too. I was like, that's the guy from Game of Thrones. And yeah. he is, like, playing almost the same character where he's just, like, this, like, super-focused bad guy. And, and you're like, oh, man, this is, this is gonna be... Man, you don't know what this guy's gonna do. He's a, he seems like a, a true villain. And I've never seen him play a villain, uh, you know, before Game of Thrones uh, since. Oh, I have.
0: He's actually actually had a pretty impressive career. I think he was, uh, he's in one of the James Bond movies. I'm not sure which one. And, like, I watch a lot of, like, British panel shows and other things like that that are, like, hey, here's these British people. And Charles Dance has been on, and he is just such a charming ass motherfucker that it's like i mean i get why you get cast as villains all the time but like you're also really funny like you know what's going on so it makes him perfect casting for this movie if we're being honest just because he 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 knows the movie he's in and totally gets it which is one of the amazing things about this movie is that just about everyone who's in this movie gets it
1: Mm Hmm, that's uh, perfect casting i think that's uh, that's the ideal um that's why it's so hard to critique this movie and, and even suggest a remake because the, the only reasonable way to do it is if you get these same actors and just you know using well, maybe like dh technology because, absolutely
0: not be, because
1: <laughs> because it's uh, he he was a perfect cast actor uh and Arnold Schwarzenegger was a perfect cast actor. I I think you can kind of play around with all the other characters, uh, but I feel like those guys, dang, they really did. They're perfectly casted. They knew what they were doing.
0: I mean, the, when this movie came out, which I should have pulled up the IMDb Pro page first. One moment, please. It came out in 1993. Yeah, so this movie comes out like just as the the decline of these ridiculously huge... Oh, I did have the... <laughs> duh. Just that, like, as, like, the big-budget, huge 80s movie thing is kind of slowly diminishing. And, the, like, this movie is a box office failure. And, like, like a massive box office... Fa- well, not massive, but it's a failure. And it's a shame, because it basically takes all of these 80s tropes and makes fun of them like the movie opens with them watching arnold schwarzenegger's version of hamlet mm-hmm. and oh my god it's ridiculous like i turned to my friend caitlin who i watched the movie with and we were both like um i would also watch this version of hamlet
1: Mm-hmm. It, it's it, the, the fact that they're uh, they're able to make fun of their own genre to this absurdity didn't became a, a a trope in movies until recently, when like the Jane Franco movies was like came out, it was just like this was way before its time, and well, I, I think d- that's why when people rewatch it now, it's they're like, oh my god, this movie! How come <laughs> I? I mean, wa- I think
0: we could I think we can all agree that it was a little bit before its time. But I'm also just now realizing in this moment that this is a Shane Black movie, so of course it's zippy and meta, uh, meta textual.
1: It came out well. It came out after Naked Gun because Naked Gun came out in 1988, but it did have a lot of that kind of comedy where it was like this the the intro scene where you meet where he gets sucked into the the theater when you're he's watching the new uh arnold Schwarzenegger movie and he's gonna be the first one to see it before anybody else and it automatically automatically starts with with uh him running away from uh or he was starting to chase the bad guys oh and just the, the beginning scene where he keeps on referencing that it's his second cousin
0: <laughs> yeah oh my god no no not he's his second my cousin. yeah my favorite second cousin <laughs>
1: he's chasing the bad guys because they killed his favorite second cousin (laughs) and then the kid gets sucked into to the movie to escape from a grenade uh that gets tossed into his theater i think it was a grenade i think it was a grenade and uh and then he ends up in the trunk or in the back seat of Arnold's car in the ghetto in the getaway scene and uh you just see all these uh these um highways and roads from Los Angeles which is also another huge part why I'm a big fan of this movie it's it, it's very uh, – even Even when they go back to uh, New York at the end of the film, I think it was shot in downtown LA just – Probably. <laughs> just to, like, save on production costs, and he well, just – Well,
0: because this was an expensive movie, like, an expensive movie, and I'm sure part of it was because, like, they got so many celebrities. Truly. Like, just uh, the appearance fees of all these people, I'm sure, was through the roof.
1: Uh, but I think it's also just, like, the – uh, i mean i can't say for sure but i think all the stunts that the the, the first scene that i was referring to is like he just cuts off the the bridge uh and jumps into the uh, los angeles uh river like it's just them making fun of all the like action movie trumps and that was like one of the first ones where everybody goes into the la river and and drives and then you get these these scenes that you're just like well, that was unexpected. If yeah, he... <laughs> I, I, I
0: literally made the joke of, "Oh, hey, it's the it's the car racing location from Greece." Exactly, it's been the, it's been oh, the same, same racing for forever. <laughs> but so we commented about how well the cast works. The one person in the cast who really doesn't work, unfortunately, is the kid. Mm-hmm. Poor Danny. He tries so hard, but he. he he just isn't quite there. You
1: know, but you the- and you feel some sympathy for him because that that scene where his house gets broken into, he gets he gets uh like roughed over by uh by that thug that tries to break into his house to steal some money. It had it had this like Joker the the modern Joker with Joaquin Phoenix vibe, where it's like this this uh, time where it's not very safe in the streets, and you know, you you feel bad for the kid, but it's almost like you. I, if I were to remake it, I would suggest, like, if he was a little bit older. But, but what, what what were you saying about—go um go on. Sorry.
0: What I was saying is that the kid is obviously trying very hard, but it, it doesn't quite work. Uh, I was going to say it's a crazy coincidence because this kid, I actually recognized him because the first episode of the current season of Ideal Remake, we talked about a movie called Pet Shop. And Pet Shop, the co- production company that made Pet Shop, also made another movie called Prehysteria, which was probably their larger of the two movies, and that movie is starring this kid.
1: So this kid was kind of like a child actor, and he kind of just didn't go anywhere.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, like, he was a child actor who... I mean, he's been in things... He was had a couple things in Bones. He's did stuff up until, like, 2015, but only sporadically. I'm guessing it's more that, like... He just fell out of love with it. Because he was a kid. It's like, if you're a kid and you're a child actor, sometimes you just don't love the thing you're doing. I think But that... anyway, the, the kid's name is Austin O'Brien.
1: Mm. Okay. And he, he was... He was... He had... He had all the tools in his belt. Like, he was... The, the, the design for the outfits, it was very spot-on to the era. Like, you know, very late 80s, like early 90s. Just, like, everything about how the set design was, it it felt, it felt like, like the Joker felt, you know, when you, with this, like, you kind of feel this, like, dirtiness.
0: I I did not watch the Joker, and I'm not interested in watching the Joker.
1: You, you get this, this dirtiness that you just, like, you're, you, you don't really see in most movies, where it's like, you, you understand that it's a bad neighborhood, just because it feels a little bit grimy, you know, a little bit dangerous, and, uh, I think that's just uh, I think maybe that's that really helps set the tone of the movie where this kid is already in a rough neighborhood so yeah uh, I
0: mean uh, clearly there's graffiti all over the the movie theater <laughs> I mean they're they're definitely setting it up as this is a kid who needs escapism like it is a 80s movie style bad neighborhood to the point where like I'm sure there are neighborhoods like that but uh, like, I, I've been in some rough neighborhoods before, but they're never quite movie-level bad. So, like, you start from that place, and then it's just, you just heighten it like crazy. But in terms of our remake, I feel like, because I want to talk about how to do this, but I feel like it's all centered around who the lead is that we recast. Truly. So th- so I wanna do, I want to do that recasting, and then we can actually talk about our plot. Because the movie as it is now is it's an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie about an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie.
1: <laughs> well said, exactly. And, and and even even within the movie, when they were making fun of Arnold Schwarzenegger, they went into a blockbuster like a video store, and uh, the Terminator within the movie was played by uh, what was it, Sylvester Stallone,
0: which. <laughs> was amazing. <laughs> Ugh. That that inside, like they have so many inside, like I get why this doesn't work necessarily as well outside of Los Angeles, but there's so many like inside baseball jokes and inside Hollywood jokes that it is delightful. So Truly.
1: So the main character has to have, it almost has to be a character that makes fun of himself. And I was thinking about this. And what do you think about this suggestion? You let me know. What do you think about uh, Dwayne Johnson.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the only obvious. That's the obvious pick. It's the only person who could possibly do this.
1: And and it's just because he's already he's already done movies similar to this, like Jumanji, where it kind of explores this escapism of a video game. And uh, but it 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 doesn't do it in the way that it's exploring him as an actor.
0: Right. So, so there's I, a couple of different things mm-hmm. that we need to talk about because. First of all, the last action hero as it was is such a time capsule that it's difficult to remake because there's never going to be like a movie star to the level of Arnold Schwarzenegger that Arnold that 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 was Arnold Schwarzenegger because he was in just about every movie, like every action movie and was like the guy. And the the only person who could do that now is The Rock, uh, Dwayne Johnson. But even still, um, he kind of has that level of recognition that uh, we see now. But it, it's, but it, it's never going to be quite the same. But the, the only person who comes close is the Rock. But I feel like, as a society, we've become a little bit more conscious of like the 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 contracts and the scripts and everything. That I feel like we can have fun with a lot of like his life. Because this was just making fun of Schwarzenegger movies. I feel like this could make fun of both The Rock, uh, like Dwayne Johnson movies, and The Rock. His career. Yeah. Because and... the first
1: movie he was in was that John Travolta movie, right? Where he played the bodyguard, and he was absolutely terrible as an actor. And now, Was he? I don't know. He was terrible. But in his defense, he was playing a bad actor. So it kind of, it kind of like, gave him the flexibility to be bad. So he was he was bad, but it just uh he evolved so, so much from then to to now where he's uh his most recent movie uh that I've watched and uh, like uh him in was Jumanji where he was able to make a lot of fun of himself of being this serious uh actor action actor person. So Yeah, that could he's the ideal candidate for a remake, yeah.
0: Yeah, I literally don't think it would work with anyone else. Like, the first person I thought was maybe Jason Statham, but no, it has to be The Rock. And I feel like... So one of the things that people kind of know about The Rock is that in his modern movies, he is contractually obligated that he can never lose a fight. (laughs) And I feel like... No, I'm 100% serious. And I feel like that's the sort of thing that we have to kind of make fun of like all those sorts of things we have to talk about where he came from where he went so I just saw a like one of the rocks earlier movies also um actually with the same friend and uh, we saw pain and gain which is a uh, a Mark Wahlberg the rock it turns out it's a Michael Bay movie which we had no idea but it's based on this true story out of Florida it's like the uh, it's like the it's the ultimate Florida Man movie, and it's <laughs> it's amazing. Like, if you enjoy Last Action Hero, you have to watch Pain and Gain, because it's ridiculous. But The Rock is in it, and he's playing this guy who's just, just not that smart, and it... Oh my god, it's amazing. But I kind of want to get, like, kind of, like, span the gamut of starting from where he plays someone who's not that great kind of an idiot to... Like an ultimate Mary Sue, essentially. Like, mm-hmm. the, like if anyone's a Mary Sue in his movies, it's The Rock.
1: Yeah, he and he's followed the same footsteps as uh, Schwarzenegger. Also, they're very similar in in terms of just like career paths. I can I can see that. Except I don't. Except I don't see The Rock becoming governor of California anytime soon. It could happen. But he could I, if he wanted if, to. If he
0: ran, people would vote for him and- uh, like,
1: No doubt.
0: Like, uh, if anything, he uh, would become, like, the, the president in Idiocracy.
1: <laughs> president uh, Chimacho? <laughs> or
0: whatever his name was, yeah. And, like, that sort of thing. And, and yeah, so, like, that's kind of the energy that I want to take into this. Like, I kind of want to play around with that idea. So, like, we take kind of the Rock movies, and but I want him to be this character. I want the Jack Slater in this movie to be someone who never loses. And then when they do eventually come to the real world, I want it to be something where he loses a fight and he's like, I don't understand. I punched you and then you punched me back. This is, it's like uh, in um, Dr. Horrible when the Nathan Fillion character is like, this is pain. This must be what pain is like, <laughs> and just like has this complete breakdown because he was never prepared to handle that sort of thing.
1: <laughs> I think that uh, I think that would be definitely
0: interesting to watch, and like I think we need to spend more time in the real world because of that. Because we get the tropes inside the last action hero world, but what mm-hmm. I think is really fun is when we like come out of that and we We figure out that we can break free. He like, becomes have-
1: like humanized. he's like he realized that his life has just been a cycle of pain and and action and and just like non stop and he's like well it's it's nice to just I've never talked to a woman before, so he spends all night talking to his mom. <laughs>
0: and she she's she's into it and and we assume that yes they definitely talked just talked nothing else <laughs> no.
1: but in terms of if you had to keep uh any characters that are currently would you would you well, want I, I to have... do the the hamlet storyline no, 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 again no. and in keep of... uh, uh Ian McKellen as death
0: I, I, Ian McKellen
1: Ian McKellen
0: we're not doing casting yet, but generally when uh, we do casting, like I cast kind of like the core main people who are necessary to the plot. Like one of the sequences that I would cut is the, while it was a ridiculous Arnold Schwarzenegger moment when he's getting the guy laced with explosives out of the funeral. Like, <laughs> that that was super fun, but like if we could trade that in for spending more time in the real world, I probably would.
1: So are you, are you referring to the to the funeral scene where it's like this Italian mob and he has to get him out.
0: Yeah, because the guy's full of explosives. Uh,
1: it, was, it, was, it wasn't an explosive, it was nerve, nerve gas. gas. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. The, and the
1: realization of, oh, yeah, that's why they bought so much nerve gas.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, like, do things like that. I it's So, like, I have my cast, and we'll get to that in a minute, but just in terms of, like, general plot... I want to kind of play around with, like, the kind of idea of it. Like, I'd like to have a card chase sequence in the movie. And they kind of toy with this a little bit when when they're playing chicken. Like, they're playing chicken in the movie, and Jack Slater always wins but in the real so in our version I would say we got to have a ridiculous car chase because the rock is now associated with the Fast and Furious franchise.
1: True. And
0: so we have this ridiculous car chase where he's pulling off these ridiculous stunts and everything. And then I want him to try to do that in the real world and just get into a massive car accident.
1: I want I I I would like to see that but not only a massive car accident. I just want it to end in like 2 minutes. <laughs> I want him to do a sharp turn into a street that he's used to do in the movies, you know how all cars do, but instead of just missing the other car because they stop, they don't stop and then <laughs> there's an accident. <laughs> and then there the, the, the you can save that airbag trope uh saying like, well, you know, this is a sedan, it had an airbag. That is I don't know what car they would use, maybe like a uh like a Mustang or something a classic Mustang that'd be like that car didn't have airbags. Like you could probably save that scene somehow. So he can, so the rock can survive this, uh, this car accident.
0: Well, what you're doing is if you put him in like a, like a muscle power car inside the movie, once he gets to the real world, he's on the streets of Los Angeles or Mm -hmm. potentially on the streets of Los Angeles. It could be New York, whichever. And I mean, if you're going to do a crazy muscle car in the movie, you're going to have him driving either a Prius or a Fiat in the real world. (laughs)
1: and just like have that experience of like flooring it and still not going anywhere
0: (laughs) yeah and it's just not and like he's like in the movie he'll do these like crazy zipline like stunt driving around all these other cars but i like the idea of you of what you said of him kind of like nicking and banging into the cars along the way he's like why are they not getting out of my way it's like because this is the (laughs) real world it's not that doesn't work like this. You have to stop. You're going to kill us all.
1: <laughs> no. The police are on their way as we speak. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Speaking of the police, and in, in, in when our uh, Charles Dance, the Benedict character, comes into the real world, and he, he comes out, and the neighborhood that he comes out of is this, uh, again, like, grimy, super bad era where there was a lot of... Uh, the the drug war that was going on and
0: um yeah it's 1993 so he, this
1: is hu- so he kills this is height of, he literally uh, kills riots. somebody uh just to just to understand i love that this this character is kind of more of a like methodical like understanding the rules first before taking action so he just goes and kills a guy and he literally shouts to the world I have murdered a person and yeah. nobody that's- says or calls the police. There's just no reaction. And he's, he's just yeah,
0: that's the, uh, looking that's at the- his
1: clock waiting for the police to arrive because in the movie world, the police would be there uh, instantly.
0: Yep. But that's, that's the reference I made in the opening of this very episode.
1: <laughs> so it's almost like a, a contrast where in the movie he was expected to get arrested, but now he's out in the real world and he's literally confessing to a crime and he's not being arrested.
0: Well, it's, it's also such a catharsis for the villain character where he says like, in this world, the bad guy can win.
1: Mm -hmm. And And that's what I would like to see way more of.
0: Yeah. It's like, it's this amazing thing of like, I I'm a bad guy because I, this is who I am as a person. It's not like I can go escape and live my life. It's no, no, no. I enjoy being a bad guy. But like the realization that I might actually succeed is amazing because in the movie, he's kind of like working for the Vivaldi character just because like it's what his character does. But then when he realizes that he could potentially do something else, it's so freeing. Because it's a person who is really bad, but is in shackles because of the world, like the nature of the world they live in. When mm-hmm. all of a sudden those shackles come off, they're all of a sudden so much more evil. And I found that fascinating.
1: It, he he liberated himself. And I think that's kind of where the movie um, kind of went uh, out, of, out of control. Um, kind of like spiraled out of control where... Where they he understood the power that he had, he wasn't just like a villain, he became a super villain at that point, where he had not just the normal power of a human being to kill somebody but also this power to transition between realities so uh it, it became became way out there when uh, they introduced the idea that this isn't the only movie that he can go back into. It's not the only action movie that he can go back into. And they, they explore this a little bit in the film where, where he was threatening uh, at the end to be like, I can go get Frankenstein. I can go get Dracula. I can get anybody I want to help me fight. And uh, it just makes it very obscure to the fact that like, it's really up to your imagination to, to control the world based on, this movie so but, but when he says that it just means that in his reality of the movie that he came from all these characters already existed or did he find out about this character when he came into the real world the new reality and he just like sat through a bunch of movies and be like oh man these guys are really good bad guys i think they can help me out
0: <laughs> i mean we already know that in their worlds movies exist just because terminator existed in their movie with that's uh, a good point uh, sylvester stallone so it's not like he's coming in from a world where movies don't exist what i found interesting is that it is kind of like the ramifications of what he was going to do like i loved that he was like because i liked when he pulled uh the whatever the name of the bad guy was from the the, the first jack slater movie the one who killed jack slater's son
1: Oh, Uh, yeah, the Ripper or something. right?
0: Or whatever. Because, like, even in our world, all of these characters still felt like they had to go through the motions as they were written. There's a lot of good books, and uh, former guest of the show Danny Bell uh, is an author of these sorts of books, where you go into the story and you take these people out of the story, they still have to kind of function as they were written. Like, they have to, like, this is the kind of essence of who they are as a person, and they still have to go through the motions. So, when Jack Slater is facing off against the Ripper again, they're going through the same motions because that's just who they are. Mm -hmm. And when they finally get Jack Slater back into his movie after he's been, like, very, very hurt, it's like they get him back in, and it's like, oh, well, in this world, that's just a... That's barely a scratch. Why is he even here?
1: This is like, just a scratch. <laughs>
0: yeah. Th- those are the processes that, like, that define like their essence as characters because that's what they are. They're not a fully fleshed out human being. They're a character. And that's why Benedict had to keep still trying to, to go after Jack Slater. Even though Benedict could have just disappeared into the wind and gone wherever he wanted, he still had to try to kill Jack Slater because that's who he is as a person.
1: Mm-hmm. And I
0: found that fascinating.
1: It was it was the link that they had before they went to the real world, and it right. continues into the real world. So that's but where what I
0: love is. That's why I want to spend more time in the real world, just because I want to see one of them try to escape this link, but then but they can't because no matter like they might try to get on a train to try to go somewhere else, but they can't. Do it because it, they keep getting pulled back to this other human being. Yeah, that will be a what interesting, I want to
1: play with. Yeah, an interesting string to continuously pull because you can see. Uh, I I don't know who you would suggest to be the new uh, the villain, but you can you would be able to to have the scene where he's becoming more and more humanized in terms of of reality rules. And then there is this string that's being pulled back to where he, where the still, the plot of the movie is that he has to kill Jack Slater.
0: Yeah, it's it's his driving force, or with my recasting, her driving force, but (gasps) not. No. Yes.
1: Who do you have in mind?
0: We'll get there. We'll get there. Um. So, but in terms of like plot that that's what i think is more important. i think for something like this and especially in a world where we're kind of familiar with and used to playing around with some of the metatextualness of these sorts of characters, that's what i think we need to spend more time in. i don't want to just get to the real world in like the second half of our act 3. i want it to be i want it to be like middle of the movie on, like half of the movie in the movie world, half of the movie in the real world.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't mind him getting into the movie um a a lot quicker. And Yeah, I
0: I don't need some guy to show up at their house to rob him and then he goes to a real police station. That's that's ridiculous.
1: And but I do appreciate that I I, the, I think there should be almost like two sets of comedy like in the movie world. They should keep with that like naked gun um style of, of comedy and also um the inspired from um like the holy grail like that type of comedy monty python yeah the monty I, python style uh comedy I mean, I, and I'll and, and then when they think. go into the real world it should be kind of pivoted into they want to continue saying these and then someone's like like why are you trying to break the, the third wall here? Like you're just you're just looking at it you're just looking out the window <laughs> Like I, I want them to be like another, another style of comedy, and then there has to be more of a. This is this is a movie world where you have sound effects, and like this is the real world where there is no soundtrack, there is no, there's nobody there that you pan to. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I'm
0: cool with that. Like he he goes to give the 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 camera a look, and then we cut away, and he's just like leering at a wall yeah (laughs) i'm okay with that that that's funny for me okay so we kind of have a sense of what we want to do for the movie itself and we kind of have a sense of like the tone and what we want our characters to deal with so okay so now i'm comfortable let's uh let's start talking about casting obviously jack slater needs to be the rock but who did you have for the kid
1: that's a great uh question and i would do tom holland
0: Tom Holland's in his twenties.
1: Spider Man. I I think the kid has to be older. He doesn't have to be I, this, like thirteen year old kid. I, I think I disagree.
0: Be I because I, at that point we're doing a different kind of movie. At that point we're doing like I don't know. It it it's it's not. I think you need kind of like the childlike wonder of believing in all of this. I don't necessarily want him taking along a teenager. I want it to be a legitimate child. Because, like all of a sudden, it, in a movie world, it's like, ah, well, I got to take this kid with me. But in the real world, like this kid's in in, in danger, and it a, a kid without friends is such a more like uh, relatable thing, and it's such a a good pull for for emotional stakes that I feel like that just works better. Whereas if it's a teenager, it's a depressing movie. And it's like a teenager's like, oh, I don't care about anything. Why am I even going to the movies? And I feel like a kid is going to be that person who just loves them. So I picked a kid who is is just so good at like going along. Who's just, you watch him and you're just like, oh my God, this kid's enthusiasm could power a city. And that kid's name is Archie Yates. Hmm. Archie Yates is the best friend kid from Jojo Rabbit.
1: Oh, the little okay, he so, is—he's adorable. First yes. of all, I—that would be you're right. And, so and that's, with that, that's why I Archie think have to
0: go with Archie Yates
1: with the Archie Yates uh, actor. He it would just be like uh, it would be a lot of the the comedy would just be looking at him. Because when he did Jojo Rabbit, it was just the, the ridiculousness of whatever he's doing with his with his acting that is just like so confident. It's it would be ridiculously contrasting to the Rock, which would be interesting to look at.
0: Yep, Archie Yates, it is. So that <laughs> brings me to uh, the mom. Who who did you uh, who did you write down ahead of time for the mom?
1: The mom would did you, be an did interesting. You write it-
0: did you m- write anyone down for the mom?
1: I would... I wasn't thinking about the mom at all. Because I was oh, thinking okay. that she was such an insignificant character. It's more the dad that's not there more present than the mom that is there.
0: I strongly disagree. Really? and Part of the reason why I disagree is... It's because it's... that It's so much establishing for the, the characters that... It's like this kid with a single mom... The dad's not in the picture, which is why this kid idolizes the big action heroes. So that that's why he's interested in the Jack Slater. But this poor mom, you can see she just cares about her kid and she's doing everything she can to, to provide for them. But she's also his anchor in the real world. And when Jack Slater first comes to the real world, she's this first real, actual human being that... Arnold Schwarzenegger is able to interact with and he's just mesmerized by her because she's amazing and she's real and it's she's literally unlike any other human being he's ever met before and I love the idea that no matter what happens you can always go like for a kid you always can just go home to your mom and be like this that's the place where you feel safe so of course that's the first place he takes Jack Slater.
1: It's very poetic. And I, and I feel I, like you I, need I, that. I didn't I didn't I didn't put the value of that in the mom character at all. So, uh who who did you have in mind?
0: So with that in mind, I cast someone who can play very sweet, but I also cast someone who has a history of playing really weird comedy bits. Like like if you end up looking her up, some of the some of the roles she's had have the weirdest shit, Na- like, names. Uh, this is a a woman, and I'm going to pronounce her last name wrong. I think it's Carla Gallo. It's G-A-L-L-O, but it might be Carla Gallo. Um, she's been in Future Man. She's b- been in Bones. She's been kind of like a staple of comedy for <laughs> a little while, but she kind of always gets these, like, weird comedic things just because I think she's willing to do that. And I feel like in this movie, she kind of can have that little bit of a comedic edge while still being like an earnest good actress, which I do believe she is.
1: Hmm. She she does look like a mom.
0: Yeah, she looks like, like, like a
1: tiger mom actually. So that seems like the maybe a type of character that she could play where she's very she has this very serious face and uh
0: but, yeah, so that's the idea. Someone who can, uh, like, kind of has, like, the young mom energy. Someone who's trying so hard, but this kid just isn't old enough to understand that or appreciate that yet.
1: And you would keep the same uh, career? I think the, the mom in the movie was a nurse.
0: I mean, we need nurses now more than ever.
1: That's very valid. It's very valid. It's very interesting that we're doing this podcast while this is happening. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's uh, our remote session. Our social distancing recording. <laughs> the top the top of my notes pages always say take a selfie because I always forget to take a selfie because, like, you know, promotional pers- purposes. Hey, thank you, this person, for being in the podcast. Uh, but, like, I can't take a selfie if we're not in the same room. <laughs>
1: ooh, 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 we gotta figure something out. We'll figure something out. We'll figure it out. Uh, um, so that
0: brings me to uh, the movie theater guy, Nick
1: okay so the mom i i really that does to me it doesn't matter who's the actress um I really don't value her as much as you, but I can see the point that she she could be of value now the we're talking about this guy who who started working at the movie uh when he was a kid he worked his way from uh a ticket stub uh handler to the projectionist. And his name is Frank, uh, and Frank is a very important character in the movie is
0: because it Frank he's or is it Nick? the
1: one. Uh, I think it's. I might
0: have. Uh, po- I, I, I pulled. I may have pulled the wrong name, but it's the movie theater guy.
1: Yes, I think you're actually right. Frank was the supervillain. Nick was the projectionist. So you're right. It is Nick, um, played by Robert uh, Prosky, and um, and he's actually a really important part because he's the whole magic behind the the process of getting from reality into the movie and what did you think about his back his background story it really oh my god his just life a is a tragedy sentence. yeah
0: oh i felt so bad for him he's like well i've i've had i've literally had this magic thing my entire life but i've been scared <laughs> to use it And so, like, I'll give it to you. And the kid obviously (laughs) uses it immediately. And it's just like, hey, this guy's clearly nuts. And so, like, my friend and I were like, oh, no, this kid should not be anywhere near this guy. Oh, no. But, like, oh, it's so sad.
1: I felt like they really just, they just used Houdini. Houdini is a magician. He does magic. And he, he's just the source of this. How do you feel about using Houdini as the source?
0: I mean, I'm okay with using Houdini because, like all all that really matters is that like it's magic, it's real, and he's held on to it for 50 years and never used it. Like Houdini is the source, that's fine. I feel like we might now be at a point where that's a little bit too old, even. Like, I don't think someone right now could be alive who like met Houdini when they were that young, but I I don't know. Like it could just as easily be like a, yeah, I got it from, uh, uh, who are the lion dudes?
1: The lion dudes.
0: Uh, one of them was mauled by a lion. (laughs) Um, uh, Siegfried and Roy.
1: Uh, Oh, okay. Oh man. Like
0: like well-known enough magic (laughs) figures where it's like, this person had no reason to believe it would be real and then it is real, and they're like, oh no, I wasted my whole life by not using the magic that was here all along.
1: Yeah, I think that's just so frickin' sad, where he's like, shit, I had like a golden lottery ticket, and I never cashed it, and now I'm old. But then it, there was this one scene where he's like, I can still use this. I I can still go back and see. And then he names a classic movie with an actress that he likes. And uh and he was still stoked, even though he he immediately realized that he his life could have been completely altered if he'd been more courageous and less scared to to, to take risks and, and rip a ticket. But like in, in in all fairness, it's it's like if you were to get a baseball signed by Babe Ruth and you're scared to go outside and and play ball with it um, because you watch the Sandlot, you know, it's more like, yeah, I'm just going to keep this at home. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to play baseball with this ball on the off chance that Babe Ruth is going to start talking to me. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I, I mean th- i feel like those are different equivalences like the the kid in sandlot should not have taken the babe ruth ball
1: well it wasn't his ball so I know. but a, even that's, still that's very that's a no-no but it, yeah, it
0: that was that was messed up this is
1: this is his dad's ball and his dad chose his, to do what the theater person ball. yeah did which was like i'm just gonna you know you look at it as a trophy it's amazing like which most people would do like this is I awesome <laughs> i
0: i guess either way who do you have for this uh for this character
1: um it has to be an older character i mean ideal anthony hopkins uh.
0: <laughs> the this was one of the characters that i intentionally tried to find someone who'd been in stuff but was wouldn't himself be recognizable because if this is a movie about, like, literally, like, the A-listers and all the super famous people, you can't put a super famous person in, like, any other role.
1: What about that guy that was in the Hunger Games? And he was also in Westworld. His, uh, what's his name? He's he's a great actor. Uh, he played, um, he played in the later Hunger Games uh, movies. as Are you uh, looking for the Stanley
0: tech guy? The tech guy.
1: Jeffrey Wright. He played Beatty in the Hunger Games.
0: Oh, Good. Jeffrey Wright. Yeah, yes. I mean, the problem is that Jeffrey Wright is himself incredibly recognizable right now. Like he is, or was one of the main characters in uh, Westworld, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what everyone seems to know him from now. Yes,
1: but I, I love him Where as an is actor. The the movie? He was. He he's this. He has this. You know, like. Matter a stereotype of like a knowledgeable guy so uh, you know this role is kind of just like if just kind of like this guy who's nice to a kid you know it doesn't really take much so it's almost almost like a cameo you know you're just there yeah. to be like listen kid so- like here's a ticket you know you can come back and watch this movie with me it's a little bit creepy so like he has to be this this almost like innocent-looking character. He almost has to be familiar.
0: I st- I still maintain that I feel like it shouldn't be someone we immediately recognize, because if it's going to be someone and then we're in a crowd of celebrities being like, you're in the movie and you're in the movie. It's like we're, we're already speaking the language of recognition. So the ca- actor I went with is someone who was in a lot of really big movies and kind of his time has passed, which is why I thought he would be good for this role. It's an actor named Burt Young. So Burt Young was in movies like Rocky. He was in Chinatown. And he'll still still do like bit parts and things like Russian Doll. But he's a man in, I want to say his 80s. And who just kind of has like the, I could see him kind of sitting and being this old school. Oh, I'm sorry. He's 79. I apologize. He'll be 80 on April 30th.
1: Yeah, he's not 80 <laughs> yet. Sam. I,
0: I'm being rude. <laughs> and, and and I could definitely see him per- see him being this person who sits in the projectionist booth at a movie theater, being like, "I know this job's usually done by sixteen year olds now, but like, it's the only job I really feel good about. It's the only job I've ever really had, and the movie theater just feels bad about firing me."
1: He looks like a, an average Joe character, like that he plays, just the guy who's just there, and he's happy to be there.
0: Exactly yeah so like that sort of person like i'm i'm happy to go with jeffrey wright uh for now for this character but like th- in practice like that's sort of the person i had in mind
1: okay so let's move forward
0: uh so then that brings us to john practice who is uh jack slater's friend who play who the kid references as the guy who played amadeus in Amadeus. Er, uh not didn't play Amadeus, who played Salieri in... He played Salieri in Amadeus. And, beca- and the kid's like, you can't trust him. He plays villains. And so clearly he's going to be the one that betrays you. And of course, later he betrays him. So I wanted <laughs> someone who traditionally has that same sort of role. And I wanted someone who has already kind of been parodied as like, well, he's always the villain guy. So what do you expect? So that's why I went with Ben Mendelsohn. Ben Mendelsohn has a long and storied tradition and past of playing villains and bad guys in the movies that he's in.
1: Yes, Not, he has that bad guy, uh, like, resting bitch face. Like, rest, Resting
0: bad guy face? Mm-hmm. Resting villain face.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, and, he's always up to something.
0: Yeah, and that's why, like, in Captain Marvel, it's so great when it's like, no, I'm- you guys are jumping to a lot of conclusions right now. But, like, if you just want to lean into the Ben Mendelsohn of it all, like, he could he could ham it up so much. Because he's a legitimately funny dude. And that's why I'm like, oh, that, yeah. that's what it's got to be.
1: I can see, like, uh, him and the style of Ready Player One, you know, this, uh... Exactly. hmm Exactly okay. that. I'm fine with that. He's definitely, he definitely has the, uh the background to be that character. And he definitely has this kind of the villainy that would be the backstabber at the end. <laughs> that would just be like, well we told you. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh cool. Then let's talk about uh Vivaldi, the mob boss. Who did you have for that?
1: I really didn't like the, the current the character that the that they used because he was just I didn't relate with him. He didn't even seem like a good bad guy and I would use my favorite bad guy, Al Pacino.
0: <laughs> you want to make it Al Pacino? Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that.
1: Mm-hmm. He would uh, be—that would be funny. He would be the guy, and then, and then, this whole point of this movie is that you're using references of other action movies. So, like that, just opens up this window, this door of quotes of this guy's life. You know, so. I think that's where a lot of the comedy can come in, and then uh, and I think he would be great. I mean, he's immediately that's recognizable. Um, and he's... if
0: you want to cast someone to play a mob boss, why not cast the like the most famous mob boss of all time? Right. Yeah, that makes sense to me. <laughs> uh, my, my my casting was a guy who's been in The Sopranos. He's been in Transparent. I cast uh, Ray Abruzzo. but I feel like Al Pacino is probably the better choice for this role. <laughs> so I'm good with that. But that brings us to uh, to Benedict, to the Charles Dance character.
1: That's going to be uh, tough.
0: Do, who do you have for this?
1: I I wouldn't change.
0: Oh, okay. So what I thought was necessary about this person is I wanted to put, is I wanted that person who's like kind of been handicapped their whole life. Like they know they're a bad guy, mm-hmm. but like they haven't been able to like really live up to their whole bad guy potential. And because of their handicap? About, uh, not well. No, ha, no, <laughs> not, be, not because of the handicap. Because uh, in but, the
1: in in the movie, like he was Charles uh, dance was handicapped, but like not really handicapped. Like he, that, I guess, but, but that's just... not what I
0: meant. I meant handicapped as like a character because he's like, well, bad guys always lose, but it's like one of those things that you don't like. You don't realize you're wearing weights until mm-hmm. you take the weights off, and you're like, you can really cut loose. It's like uh I can't think of a good example, but basically like if you do weight training and then all of a sudden like you take those weights off like, and, Goku. like you're Yeah, basically. And all of a sudden you're like jumping around and free and able to do all this stuff. So I wanted someone who kind of like would be living in kind under that kind of rock and then and then just like, oh my god, now I can really be evil. And I also wanted to go someone with someone who's kind of like on the rise. Which is why I wanted to go with someone who is literally about to be, like, about to be playing someone really, really, really cool and intimidating. Hmm. But hasn't necessarily had all those roles leading up to it. Like, she's been in cool stuff before, but it's hasn't she? necessarily been... Yeah, yeah. But oh, she, th- they haven't a... been mm-hmm. in, like, uh, haven't necessarily been in English. So I wanted to go with, and I'm going to make sure I pronounce this right. One moment, please. Uh, I went with the Spanish actress... Ursula Corbero. Okay. Who, if you want to look her up right now, she gives she totally gives off villain vibes. How do you spell and, her last name? Uh, C-O-R-B-E-R-O.
1: Ah, she does have... She does have...
0: What has she been in? So she's been in a couple of different things. Like, she's been in a lot of Spanish movies, but the thing that's coming up that's going to be, like, her big breakout role... Is the G.I. Joe spin-off movie, Snake Eyes. Mm-hmm. She's gonna be playing the Baroness. So she's literally about to play the big bad villain in a big blockbuster action movie. And so she's about to explode. And that's why I wanted to like get it on the ground floor of like, we don't quite know who she is yet, but just like Charles Dance, everyone is about to know who this person is.
1: Wow, that's really it's it's very brave of you because to see i wouldn't change charles dance just because I, out of respect for that actor i mean i
0: love charles incredible. dance but it's, but it's a different world and like charles dance would be a better like would be a better uh option for like vivaldi but i feel like i love the idea of ursula corberto suddenly realizing that she doesn't just have to be a lackey anymore and then she just straight up kills al Pacino. Ah, it would be so dark and amazing and just freaking brutal. I want that. Like yeah. I like I'd love it if she's like she's been capped at PG-13 her whole life and then all of a sudden she steps in a into a world where she can behave at like R-rated level and she's like, "Oh my god." Yes.
1: Yeah, I think I think any actor would would love the opportunity to play this role just because you're kind of like the the transition that this actor goes through you know first you get to be a villain then you get to be like a villain that wins like first you get to it's like you you get this whole career within one movie you get to be this villain that loses and then you get to be that villain that wins you're like yeah it's amazing oh that would be interesting to see
0: yeah, so let's I, I, let's I've go for this one. I've
1: never seen her uh, any roles of her, so I think it would have to. I would have to see how she does in uh, that upcoming um, GI Joe mean, movie. If
0: she's, if she's already the Baroness, she's gonna be great. Like she's got the accent, she's got the whole thing. I I believe in her. I think it's gonna be great. Plus, I want some. Like I want like the that just. I mean, British accent's been overdone. Now the true villains are Spaniards.
1: <laughs> I mean, they always been. <laughs> oh, man. People forget how much uh, the Spaniards conquered.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a lot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's move on to Decker. Because he uh, yes. is the he is the guy with the big mouth. Like, he oh, is yeah. the one I who's going to be yelling at the rock. And the Rock, as you may know, he's a, he's very quick. He's he's w- very whippy. So this guy is going to have to be on that level to you know get them, receive them, and and keep uh, uh, topping the the Rock. So this guy has to be very vocal, very out there. And I do have a guy in mind. Tell me, you ready for this? I am. Terry Crews.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Mhm. Terry Crews is very good at being loud and vocal and portraying a uh, police sergeant
1: and at, taking up of a lot of space.
0: <laughs> That's true. He's uh he, he he would be very good and would definitely be able to like give the rock a run for his money in terms of like uh like could actually stand up to him sort of. Yes.
1: Thing. And that's that. This is an important core of this film, where you have Decker, which is the the sergeant of this uh, police department. Which we didn't even talk about how zany this police department is, because yeah, it's-
0: I, th- I want to leave it as a surprise for anyone who watches this movie. Like, <laughs> like you know, you're in for a, an amazing treat once you get to the police department scene. Like, oh my god, yeah. it's. So- amazing so if like Danny DeVito kills it let's (laughs) let's just say
1: so if there was if there was something that uh would be you know a spin and in the new remake it would be if it was the same exact way that they did in the movie prior or if they adjusted it and they and we tweaked it to just be like the rock is in uh Brooklyn Nine-Nine and then he just walks into their station. But you know now now a Decker is uh, was uh, in 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 the show. He's actually named Terry. They they did that to like make him feel bad if he doesn't take the role. <laughs> so he he took the role. But uh, Terry is now the captain or the sergeant. I don't know which one is higher ranking. Um and, Cap- and then- captain
0: is higher ranking.
1: And then he he's the captain of that division, and then instead of having the police office be as zany as it is in the original movie, it just becomes like the set of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and Terry is the captain, and The Rock is just one of their uh, their new agents. <laughs>
0: I mean, but it having... would be funny if he stepped onto another set. <laughs> Although at that point, I think we'd all be disappointed that, we're, that he's not taking his orders from uh, Andre Brower.
1: Yeah, I mean Andre Brower would be great, but it, I think it's a, it would it's be a even different funnier. kind of energy. It would, it would be even funnier just to walk in and you have Annie Samberg. The whole set be there, but like it's it's a different movie. Like it's like they're totally referencing Brooklyn Line Nine, but it's like you know it's within our movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it you do the like the the Deadpool Two thing where they go to the. They go to the, 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 the X mansion mm-hmm. and it is just man, I sure feel like we should be able to afford more more X Men, right? And they're just like not there.
1: <laughs> exactly. So play a little bit on that humor of of like they're just they they're so like they don't they're so the writers are so lazy that they just take the cast and the the setting of another show and just use it <laughs> for this movie. <laughs>
0: I'm I'm not opposed to that. So my I kind of went with someone who would be able to kind of give off the same energy as the original uh, Decker, the Decker that like we have now, played by Frank like,
1: McRear. He was great. Yeah,
0: who he is great. He gives off this this. He's also very large and in charge, and like he's this guy who theoretically shouldn't be able. That Slater both doesn't take seriously but does take seriously and then the kids like yeah no you said in this other time that you were each other's best friends and you really <laughs> do care about each other and and I just loved that and so that's kind of why I wanted uh to go with someone who wouldn't necessarily be like seen as an equal to rock but like someone who but would be equal in a different way and I went with Gaborne Sidibe the The woman who was in Precious, uh, she's also been in Empire and Seven Psychopaths and Difficult People, someone who is herself recognizable, but like you also like, she also, like when she was on SNL, oh my gosh, this, she's really funny. And like, anytime I get to see her in something that's comedy related, it's amazing. Just the opportunity to get to see her like really cut loose and just like to see her just lay into the rock would just, would delight me.
1: <laughs> I think that would be interesting to see, for sure.
0: But yeah, I'm happy to go with Terry Crews if that's what you prefer, but that that's who I had.
1: Okay, uh, Show. we move on to The Ripper.
0: I actually did not cast The Ripper. Tell okay. me who you had for The Ripper.
1: Are you ready for this?
0: Go for it. Dexter. It's a little on the nose, don't you think?
1: Exacto.
0: I mean, part of what makes... Uh, what I found uh, to be interesting about the Ripper is that it wasn't an actor I recognized. Mm -hmm. And it's someone who like, when you like, cause you you actually go to the premiere of the movie and you, and they show the actors like, and here's the guy who played the Ripper. And then the Ripper comes in and basically like kills the actor who plays him. And it's, oh, it's delightful. I mean, we can, I don't have someone for the Ripper. So I'm, so we have to go uh, with.
1: So the actor's name is Michael C. Hall um he plays
0: like i said i don't have someone for this so we have to go with michael c hall that's the rule
1: well Uh, well let me let me introduce you the second option because there is a a second option at first i thought about michael c hall just because obvious his role in dexter he's able to play uh which we need to we need him to play the actor and play this ripper villain so he, he can all we can just adjust this Ripper to be more of a serial killer guy in, in plain clothing. Uh, So he doesn't have to be this uh, cinematic, like Frankenstein type of character. He
0: absolutely has to be that. Like, that's what makes, that's what really sells it is when he looks so different from the actor who's actually portraying him. I don't want him to be recognizable. I'm happy to go with like Michael C. Hall, but he's got to be definitely like, like movie one, clearly a crazy ass villain
1: yeah but can't you can 't you see him in his and his dexter like clear protective suit and there 's just blood all over him and he 's just wearing
0: you know- i can i can but the problem is we know we don 't need that kind of villain. We already have that kind of villain with Vivaldi and benedict they 're already playing the type of villain who 's like the straight laced put together but definitely evil villain the The point of the Ripper is to play a different kind of villain, where they're just balls to the wall, insane person. If we have someone else who's just in a suit, we're we're literally hitting the same notes over and over again. We need to have a type of villain who's wildly different, because it gives uh, our characters something else to a different way to respond.
1: But he would only be he would only be in a suit like when he's playing himself as an actor. When he's when he's doing the Ripper scene, he would be in his and it's like all out i just killed somebody dexter mode or or for the second option a cast from uh, game of thrones who played uh, uh sandor clegane oh and he he was uh, phenomenal
0: i love that that's a great choice because he definitely like just full on uh the 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 actor's name is Rory McCann right uh, rory rory mccann would be I think amazing cuz you you cover him up in like different prosthetics obviously but I think Rory McCann is an excellent choice because you know, like, he's big but also like when like outside of prosthetics he's still like a reasonably good looking dude and you just uh, yeah I I think that's absolutely the one, the one to go with
1: The only thing that would be kind of on the same lane is that he played the villain in Jumanji. so he's already kind of facing off with The Rock in a different movie in a similar way, but... I'm kind uh,
0: of okay with that. I kind of like it because that gives them something else to make fun of within the world of the movie.
1: That's a good point. So it it is in lane with the, the humor of this movie. Okay, so I think that you're, you're right. That could be a better choice.
0: Cool. Let's go with Rory McCann for The Ripper. I love that. So for Death, I actually did cast Ian McKellen again, A, because it kind of looks the same, and because it's Death. It's the same Death. Death is the same. Death is permanent. Mm-hmm. And so the only allusion to the original movie I had was that death is death. And I thought Ian McKellen would would still work. I don't know if you had anyone else uh in that role.
1: He was another one of those just perfectly cast um people.
0: So yeah, so let's go with Ian McKellen and then the only um the only other role that I had is the daughter. But the thing about the daughter oh, yeah. is it as that character is written The kid literally says, this is her first movie. So the daughter, we cannot cast because we would have to go through the process of casting someone who is brand new. This would need to be their first movie. And so that's why I thought for the daughter, we can't. We simply cannot. That's what casting is for. Scripturally, it must be a brand new human being.
1: It has to be somebody that kind of played uh, the Emma character, you know, in the new film where she was also in um, the new mutants. So she's, she's, she can be both this innocent character and this like super, but other than that, it's, it's like, it just has to be somebody completely new that could do that, that versatility. I see what you mean though.
0: Yeah. Uh. So yeah, has to be a newcomer. But other than that, I just have writer and director. So, Uh, Who did you have writing this movie? Did you have someone writing this movie? Like, is that something you planned for?
1: No, I have no idea. Who did you Uh, have in mind?
0: Our writer, I wanted someone who could handle the action, but also handle the comedy, and kind of has a sense of kind of this meta-textual comedic world. So he's doing the action, because he was the writer for this new Wonder Woman 1984, Mm. but he also is the writer for both Zombieland 1 and Zombieland 2.
1: Both? great written movies that's true
0: but what really sold me on what on needing this writer is that he's the writer behind jean-claude van johnson do you know what that is <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i'm like oh my god he he gets it someone who's already taking kind of this action star and like doing doing the the craziness for them and that writer's name is uh dave callaham and that's why he's like the perfect person for this Action comedy, action comedy. He's got it. He like this is his his deal. Like if anything has been inspired by the original Last Action Hero, it's stuff like Zombie Land and jean Claude Van Johnson.
1: <laughs> That's so true. That's awesome. That's a very then, good choice uh, pick. And
0: then for for director, I went with the guy who directed Jumanji and uh, Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle because you and I both agree it has to be The Rock. So it has to be someone who's already familiar with pulling the best comedy beats out of The Rock, but who even himself is uh, familiar with directing kind of like parodies and spoofs and that sort of thing because he also was the director for Walk Hard, The Dewey Cox Story, Mm -hmm. which is an amazing movie and I love that movie. And so the director for those things is Jake Kasdan, who I think is actually Lawrence Kasdan's son, which... I should verify that before putting that out into the world, but that's who it was like so like you have this combination of Dave Callahan and Jake Casden, they're going to give us an amazing movie.
1: And he did a and- lot of uh, he's 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 credited for um, for twenty two uh, producer credits as well. He did Bad Teacher 2. He did most recently Fresh Off the Boat. It was like TV series. He could he could definitely produce something that would be uh, a long part what we're looking at in terms of vision for this film
0: yeah exactly so yeah so that's the idea and that's our cast for uh the the lastest action hero the even more last action hero uh so let me take you through our cast we have jack slater being played by the only person who can the rock danny the kid will be played by archie yates his mom will be carla gallo gallo it'll be played by Carla. Nick, the movie theater guy, will be Jeffrey Wright. John Practice, the friend who betrays him, will be Ben Mendelsohn. Vivaldi, the mob boss, will be the ultimate mob boss, Al Pacino. Benedict will be Ursula Cobero. uh Decker will be Terry Crews. The Ripper will be Rory McCann. Death will be Ian McKellen. The daughter, we don't know. It'll be someone we find because it must be her first movie. The writer will be Dave Callaham, and the director will be Jane Ca- uh, the, the director will be Jake Kasdan. That is laster action hero. Daniel, you gonna go see this
1: movie? With that cast and that director, you gotta you gotta just think about it. He he did Freaks and Geeks. So this guy is known to uh, you know produce just amazing work that create cult following. I wouldn't miss this movie.
0: <laughs> cool, love it. All right, great. Thank you very much for bringing this movie to my attention, because I i don't know if I said this, I loved this movie. This movie is amazing, and everyone should watch it, because it's fantastic, especially because we're stuck inside and have nothing else to do. So, Daniel, <laughs> you told us a little bit about this before, but go ahead and plug everything you want to plug. Tell us again about your Instagram. Tell us anything you want people who are listening right now to do and follow.
1: Thank you, Sam. Thanks for having me on. i wholeheartedly recommend watching Last Action Hero. You will get like everything you need to get from an action film and a comedy and you will understand just like what it takes to make a really great movie and it's it's very surprising that it didn't do well at the box office but it's not surprising at all that it became a very uh, cult favorite. You can follow me on Instagram. I'm at dogdads. You can DM me pictures of you with your dog. And uh, I, I love getting those. Um, and uh, thanks, thanks for listening. That's all I have to say.
0: Cool. If you're interested in following me, I am at Sam Gash, S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H on Twitter. Or if you want to follow the podcast, it is at Ideal Remake on both Twitter and Instagram, but mostly Instagram. Or you can follow us on Facebook, The just join us at Ideal Remake or Ideal Remake Podcast. And if you've got time while under lockdown, although this episode comes out in, wow, about a month actually, uh, this episode will be coming out late April. So hopefully we're not still under lockdown, but it could happen. Um, but either way, use that time wisely to go and uh, rate this podcast five stars and give us a lovely review because I would love you for it. And yeah. That's Laster Action Hero. Daniel, I will end with this. What is your favorite quote from Last Action Hero?
1: I'll be back.